This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Multi-mortgage securities tied to the 2008 financial crisis. The bank has been under investigation by federal authorities for faulty mortgage securities that fueled the housing bubble a decade ago. The settlement is far higher than the $4 billion Citigroup had offered to settle, but less than the $10 billion the government was seeking, according to a Wall Street Journal report. The settlement, coming after the Justice Department threatened to sue Citigroup if it didn't settle, could be announced within a week. Citigroup is scheduled to report second quarter results Monday. J.P. Morgan paid a $13 billion settlement in November the largest in U.S. history, to settle charges over selling bad loans. Prosecutors still are seeking $2.1 billion from Bank of America for knowingly selling bad loans. With an IRN, USA Business News Update, I'm Hope Duggar. Owning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Fix the A.C., build a deck, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, remodelers, whatever type of home pro you need. HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you don't have to search through a long list of pros. With just a few clicks, HomeAdvisor matches you with pros who provide the exact services you need. You can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. Because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuildhomeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP.
live at the destination for education and entertainment. This news update on WebmasterRadio.fm is brought to you by the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app. Listen to our 24-hour live stream from anywhere or download any WebmasterRadio.fm program on demand anytime. Download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app inside the iTunes App Store or through Google Play. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. IRN USA Radio News. I'm Hope Duggar. House Speaker John Boehner is criticizing President Obama's plan to cope with a tide of minors from Central America who are illegally crossing the U.S. border. But the Ohio Republican also is being noncommittal on whether the House would vote to approve the president's request. If we don't secure the border, uh, nothing's going to change. And if you look at the president's request, uh, it's all more about continuing to deal with the problem. Tuesday, Obama asked Congress for $3.7 billion to help increase the detention, care, and transportation of unaccompanied children, bolster immigration courts, and step up prosecutions of smuggling networks. The money would also increase surveillance at the poorest U.S. border. Former New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin has been sentenced to 10 years in prison for his conviction on bribery, money laundering, and other corruption charges. Prosecutors said the actions for which he was convicted spanned his two terms as mayor, including the chaotic years after Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005. U.S. District Judge Helen Berrigan handed down the sentence this morning. This is IRN USA Radio News. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can, can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at bruceclay.com. And once again, we're live here at webmasterradio.fm and our studios here in South Florida, USA. We're getting ready to go and bring you a live cyber law and business report, and we hope you'll get a chance to tune in. So tell, gather all friends you can, and make sure to go and join us right now on our website, or tell them to go and download the new webmasterradio.fm mobile app that's available in the iTunes App Store or Google Play. And coming up on the program this afternoon is, uh, excuse me, Right now, we're going to be speaking right now. Bennett Kelly will be speaking with former high-level National Security Agency intelligence official William Benny on the program about a new whistleblower website. So those listening about NSA, Edward Snowden, that kind of jazz, make sure to tune in for a great program. It's starting live right now. Podcasting to millions from WebmasterRadio.fm's world headquarters. From the Tropic of Technology, a service at New Gen Broadcasting. Downloading the Cyber Law and Business Report only on WebmasterRadio.fm. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, Please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report, broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica, California, um, the heart of Silicon Beach. And um, please be seated. We've got a great session for you today. Um, we're going to be talking about the NSA and the, the state of cyber um, surveillance, and we have with us. You know, before there was Edward Snowden, um, there was um, 
Bill Binney. And he's a very significant figure in the whole NSA debate. Um, he's just back from Germany and um, um, having testified at the Bundestag there. And so we're going to be um, talking with him in just a second. Um, we, afterwards, we're going to cover some news updates. And it looks like there's a breaking story developing, uh, a possible criminal investigation involving ripoff report. And we'll have more on that um, later in the hour. But um, without further ado, um, I'd like to bring on Bill Binney. Bill, um, he is uh, a former NSA, NSA crypto mathematician. And um, he was uh, considered one of the best um, in his field in terms of cryptology um, and as an NSA agent. And um, he's also um, an outspoken whistleblower, um, speaking out after his retirement and speaking out um, about some of the expansion of the NSA authority after 9-11. And um, the NSA actually took him on and he won. So here to tell us his story and about his, their new activities, um, Bill, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being on. And um, so um, why don't you just give, give us a little nutshell um, summary of what, what your career was with the NSA? I was there uh, first in the uh, United States Army for about uh, close to four years, um, from 1965 to 1969, and then from, from 1970 on to 2001, uh, almost the end of 2001, I was working as a civilian there at NSA. So I was uh, primarily looking at the, um, the uh, Soviet Union, the Warsaw Pact, the, the, the evil empire, if you will, in the old days. <laughs> The Cold War, so uh, that was my that was my job primarily then, and that was uh, pretty much uh, close to thirty years of that was what I was doing. And then in uh, in uh, <clears throat> middle of night the nineties, uh, I started looking else around the world because uh, I became the uh, technical director of the basically the world. So <laughs> I had to uh, I had to look at technical problems that the NSA had around all around all the countries in the world. So uh, then I started focusing on after the wall fell, uh, looking at the digital explosion because that was the major problem that we had then, and uh, that's what I was working on uh, from '97 to 2001. And uh, at that point, I uh, I had devised ways and means to uh, to handle that kind of uh, volume of communications, and uh, the government in turn. Uh, tra- transferred and started to use that internally against everybody in the United States after 9/11, and that's part of what I could not uh, be a party to. And so, at so, that point, I <clears throat> I had to I just had to leave. So that was what that was that was my the end of my career there. So, so you said you had to leave. So did you have debates internally with the in, within the NSA about you know is this appropriate? Are we going too far? Well, actually, I uh, had designed a system to give privacy protection to not just well to virtually everybody in the world, because I I had designed in um, uh, focused attacks on on known terrorists and anybody in close proximity to them in relationships and so on. So it was really a focused attack that only took in relevant data that for analysts to look at. So it made a rich environment for them to use to (coughs) to analyze and succeed at doing their job. And in the process, it gave privacy to everybody in the world. 
And for anybody that was a U.S. citizen that got pulled into that, uh, all their attributes would be encrypted. So uh, you could tell it was a U.S. citizen simply because the data was encrypted, but you couldn't tell who it was. So uh, those things were already all built into the uh, the system I put together for them to analyze all this material, but they, uh, they subverted that, too. They basically... Uh, removed all of the protections and um, eliminated the focused attack and took in everything. So that that was uh, that was something that I couldn't be a party to and I just had to leave. And um and so as you left what was that a contentious event or were they or was the feeling like well we we disagree um maybe it's good to move on. Well, I don't, uh, I think they just, they were just glad to get rid of me because I was too much of a straight shooter, you know, a constitutionalist right to the end. So, but so that's where, that's when I started objecting internally in government. So that's from there, I went into the intelligence committees because their job was supposed to be to protect the, um, the privacy of U.S. citizens. And of course, they failed miserably at that. Now they're basically advocates for spying domestically. So. I mean, their charter was not to do that. Their charter was to protect, uh, as a result of the Church Committee investigations on NSA, FBI, and CIA back in the 70s. Their charter and their reason for existence was to keep ensure that the, those agencies didn't spy on U.S. citizens. And now here they are advocating domestic spying on everybody in the country. And so so you know, who did you go to first? Uh, I went to the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, Diane Rourke, who I knew on the Intelligence Committee, I went to her and because uh, she was a strong supporter of law and constitution, so. Um, and Diane, that was a staff that, person, or is that a? Yeah, that she a was the she was the House Intelligence uh, Committee staffer in charge of the NSA account um, for for last I think the last five years or so that she was uh, working for that committee. Okay, and what was the response? Well, our response was that this was obviously an illegal activity and should be stopped. And, uh, I mean, that was the entire purpose and reason why that committee was created. That was also true of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, too. They were to ensure that uh, no U.S. citizen was uh, uh, spied on by any of those agencies unless they had a warrant. And uh, the point is that under the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution, you know, the warrant mean if you issue a warrant uh, you have to state specifically who you're after specifically what kind of data you're after and specifically where you're going to get it right so so it's not like here is that Verizon court order that says go after 110 unnamed US citizens 110 over 110 million unnamed US citizens uh, anywhere they are so it doesn't it doesn't meet any of the requirements of the fourth amendment so what year was this uh, the year that I went to Diane Rourke was 2001, the late right right after uh, October 2001. So it was November, I think, early November 2001. Okay, so obviously in 2001 there was someone on the uh, House Foreign um, <laughs> House Intelligence Committee who thought the NSA program was illegal, and um, I, I think I know the answer to the next question. But what did the House do in response? <laughs> Well, they basically told her that uh, she needed to go talk to uh, uh, General Hayden out of NSA to, to get the to understand what's going on, and and that uh, she shouldn't be uh, worried because uh, you know Porter Goss told her that uh, uh, you know he he was aware of all the problems and he didn't he didn't see any issues. 
Well, you know, Porter Goss was supposed to question these things, and he was the, he was the chairman of that committee at the time. What Diane didn't know was that he was already briefed into the program, uh, and he was already approving it, as was Nancy Pelosi. And that's, of course, why I maintain that uh, Nancy Pelosi said uh, when she was Speaker of the House that impeaching George Bush is off the table. And the reason she said that, of course, is because George had leverage on her. He could have said, hey, if you're going to impeach me, you have to impeach yourself because you're part of all these programs we've developed. Right. So you know it was the way it was the way they brought and co-opted in leadership of the of the Congress a little bit at a time over the years, and so they're all they're all part of it. So they all have to cover up for one another, and the same and, is true for the Department of Justice and uh, the agencies involved. So how, how so the Department of Justice? Uh, because the 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 Attorney General uh, down through the years had to approve all these programs. Okay. In fact, in the 2004 hospital visit, at one point uh, before that, they were afraid that uh, that uh, Attorney General Ashcroft at the time would be uh, indicted for the activity that he had approved. I'm sorry, Attorney General Ashcroft recommended that someone be indicted? No, no. The, the attorneys at the Department of Justice were afraid that he would be the first sitting Attorney General to ever be indicted for approving those programs. Um, yeah, um, actually, I think Mies, <laughs> I'm not sure, was that Mies, uh sitting sitting when he was indicted? I, I can't remember, but yes, yeah, so obviously not a, not a good thing for the sitting right, Attorney General right. of the United <laughs> States to be indicted. Uh, I think we can agree on that. And um, so nothing happens after your, your inquiries in 2001. Um, what, what did you decide to do next? Well, I mean, uh, we uh, we were, uh, of course, waiting for all the results coming from the discussions between Diane Rourke internally on that committee. But at the same time, we we attempted to see uh, uh, we attempted to see Chief Justice Rehnquist of the Supreme Court. Uh, and because, the way we, because his his responsibility vis a vis the the FISA court was that why? Oh, so he he appoints he appoints the uh, the judges on the FISA court, but he's also the one who's to vote. You know, he sits on the Supreme Court. Supreme Court has the final ruling on the constitutionality of any law or any activity of the government. Right. So uh, that was kind of his responsibility. So we felt that that was the place where this really ultimately belonged. So we uh, <clears throat> we didn't uh, have a way to get to him directly, but uh, um, we we knew um, uh, Kirk Weeby and I, who were on a, had, had a subcontract out at uh, uh, out of. Uh, the NRO were trying to work one, uh, knew uh, a fellow there who knew the daughter, Rehnquist's daughter, uh, because he went to high school with her. And so therefore, we, uh, we thought that would be an avenue to get a, a note through to the chief justice that he might, he might have a chance to read, you know, because their staff filters stuff out. Right. So uh, that's what we did. We passed the letter through that way, and we know it got to his daughter, and, and uh, I believe he passed it on, but uh, we never heard any more from it. So, All right, uh, so you struck out. You struck out, obviously, with the administration. You struck out on Capitol Hill. You struck out Supreme Court. Then what? Then we started to talking to other members of the House and Senate. Um, and, Were any uh, responsive? Well, I mean, they would tell you when you're facing them that, oh yeah, there's really there's really something wrong here. But you know, one of them said, "Well, now's not the time to fix it." Well, when know, they say now, is that when is? This, was it because of the close proximity to 9/11 or the Iraq War? Was what was now? Well, I, I guess them? that's uh, I, I guess that's that's it. But I mean, 
that really turned into a way of saying, I don't want to fix it. Right. So, I mean, the, the point is that it's all messed up now, and now is not the time to fix it, right? So that's a statement that could be made any time down through the years. <laughs> and they still haven't fixed it. So, so I mean, you know, that's just a, a bureaucratic way of avoiding the issue. And, and so when did you first decide to kind of step forward and, and kind of go beyond the kind of insularity of Capitol Hill? Well, I hadn't given up yet because we were also talking to a number of lawyers down in the D.C. area trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, uh, and uh, we we were talked again, we were we were advised to do certain things. So one of the things to go public, we weren't prepared to do that at the time because we thought we'd still give our government a chance to function properly. Um, and so we still kept trying to talk to different members of Congress and so on for a number of years. And then uh, uh, of course, we even uh, I didn't, but the others did uh, gave that same information to the Department of Defense Inspector General's office, um, and so that went into that way. Um, and then, uh, in uh, in after the New York Times exposed the uh, the warrantless wiretapping program, which is only a, a small part of the whole program, uh, back in December of 2005. Why uh, Judge uh, Robertson resigned from the court because he, you know, I mean, what would you do if you were a judge and you were supposed to be doing a job and they they were actually going around you and subverting you and keeping you out of the loop so that uh, you became a figurehead that was just something like a this is this is their way of justifying that they were using the uh, the third the third branch of government was involved, you know, mm-hmm. which it is not. The FISA court is not a, a is not a Article Three court. You know, it's a court that uh, sits on the sixth floor of the Department of Justice building, and they meet there and they approve things there, and they only hear the the government side. They don't hear any opposing opposition uh, to anything. Uh, <clears throat> Article three courts, if you talk to judges, will they'll tell you that they are they are courts that resolve issues where there are opposing parties, and the issue is debated, and they they adjudicate based on the law and the Constitution, and so that's that's an Article three court. So the FISA court basically is an Article Two court, uh, an administration. You know, so Article One is Congress, Article Two is the President, his administration, Article Three is the judiciary. So <clears throat> when they keep claiming that they have uh, all three uh, compartments of government, Articles One, Two, and Three, agreeing that this is uh, okay and legal, that's false. Okay, well, we're going to come back to that in a minute. We have to take a short break, Bill. Um, We'll be back with Bill Biney um, talking about his um, status and breakout as an NSA whistleblower after these messages. You're listening to um, Cyber Law and Business Report on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. You rely on your website to promote your business. And while you're busy doing what you love, you need a site that can keep up. GoDaddy Web Hosting is built from the ground up for lightning speed, reliability, and rock-solid performance. It includes over 150 free apps like WordPress and Drupal to build and manage your site. And with 99.9% uptime and industry-leading load times, you never have to worry if your site is up and running. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter code HOSTFM to get web hosting for $1 a month plus a free domain. Some limitations apply. See website for details. BubbleFast burst onto the e-commerce scene as a family-owned shipping supply provider back in 1999. 
line. The product line has grown, but Mark and Robin still own and operate BubbleFast as a family business. Being sellers themselves has taught them what online sellers need to safely and affordably deliver their products to their customers. BubbleFast is proud to be an active member of the community of online sellers. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at BubbleFast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the BubbleFast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount. Or call Mark and Robin at 877-599-7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at BubbleFast. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. We're talking to Bill Biney about um, his emergence as a whistleblower, um, a life uh, career NSA um, servant and uh, expert cryptologist. And he um, just eventually, but he also said that earlier in our show, he said he's a constitutionalist through and through. And um, basically, he saw that the NSA surveillance program was not consistent with his understanding of the Constitution, which includes the Fourth Amendment. And so, um, Bill, uh, we were talking about how you first went to Congress, um, you went to the Supreme Court, and obviously you weren't getting anywhere with the Justice Department. Uh, when did you first decide to start talking to the media and become more um, open about what was going on? That, uh, that uh, I basically decided to do in, in 2010. <clears throat> and the first opportunity I had to do that was with uh, Jane Mayer in 2011. But the reason I made that decision was because the um, it was after the raid that the FBI pulled on me because that when we were complaining about this program downtown in D.C. with you know uh, various people in government, why it started to raise the issue internally in government and the administration and uh, Department of Justice and NSA didn't want that happening, so they decided they'd send the FBI at us to try to keep us quiet. And so that's what they did, and uh, <clears throat> they raided our home simultaneously under the guise that we were the ones who leaked the story to the New York Times about the warrantless wiretap program. Uh, that was the article that they published in uh, 2005. Uh, so that was their pretext for doing that, but the real reason was to keep us quiet. 
So, um, <clears throat> and after that, of course, uh, you, you lawyer up, you get legal advice, and uh, what what happened was... a boy. <laughs> yeah, you need to be quiet. You know, stay quiet. You keep a low profile, maybe they'll just go away, you know. <laughs> that's their advice. That was, that was, of course, not the thing to do. But uh, that's what they did. And in a part of that process from 2007, after the raid in July of 2007, all the way through to the end almost of 2009, they made three separate attempts at uh, indicting us. That is, under, uh, under trumped-up charges, they created these, manufactured these things. But in each and case, uh, we caught them and had uh, evidence of ex- ex- exculpatory evidence. So they kept uh, the final one. Uh, <clears throat> the final one was we were, we were attempting to get together to, to develop a, a corporate effort amongst ourselves because we were out of government. So we were trying to develop that to uh, address Medicare and Medicaid fraud because they, we, it was clear that they still needed a lot of help to stop all that fraud. So we had a way to attack that, and we were preparing to group together to do that, and they used that meeting that we had. As a, as a basis for charging us with a conspiracy charge. In fact, they had uh, drafted an indictment and they called our lawyer and told us, uh, told him that uh, they were uh, going to indict us. Then he called us and told us that. So, but at the same time, I had all the exculpatory data on that too, because I, I backed up all the data with uh, any number of people, you know, and uh, other people were at the meeting too, that they weren't targeted. They weren't included in the conspiracy, by the way. So it was a part of that was another part of the evidence of malicious prosecution. So I had assembled all the information that I had that would show that in court, in a court case. So I then told that to Tom Drake over the phone because I knew the FBI had his phone tapped, and uh, that meant I was giving the data to the FBI, which in turn would send it to the DOJ. And now they'd know that we we knew exactly what they were doing and was pre- were preparing to charge them with a felony of malicious prosecution. When, when we went to court. And so they dropped the entire thing. But that just showed you how corrupt our government had gotten all the way through to the attorney general's office. So we, uh, I mean, and, and this at is the same the, time. Was this Eric Holder or was this the yeah, prior Yeah, it was 2009, yeah. That was uh, Eric Holder. Uh, actually, the indictment was late 2009. We actually had seen, went to see part of what probably prompted it was we went to see early in 2009, we also went to see the the Inspector General of the Department of Justice, again, about this uh, program. Um, and so that's probably prompted them to try to do a, another uh, indictment against us. So, <clears throat> but in the process, you see, someone at the Department of Justice felt really bad about what they were doing. And so they, uh, through uh, various channels, I don't know exactly how they got to us, but uh, they passed us a copy of their draft indictment against us. So you could see there were still good people in the Department of Justice. It's just that they were being ordered to do things that they that that shouldn't be done, that were that weren't uh, constitutional or legal. So uh, you know, there's still some hope for Department of Justice, just not by the not with their leadership. Um, so at any rate, that was the last straw. That was the straw that said, "Look, this is so corrupt. I can't stay inside the government because they'll put me away from in jail somehow, someday or other." And no one will ever know. So it's time to tell the public openly. So that's what I started with Jane Mayer and, and uh, discussed the, all that stuff with her in her article in, uh, in May of 2011. And um, what, 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 what did you disclose in that article? Uh, more, more about the uh, data mining and data collection of everybody in the country and around the world. 
And so this is two years before Edward Snowden. Uh, yeah, well, a little, little, yeah, a little more, yeah. And um, and what was the reaction? Well, it was kind of quiet. Not too many people picked up on it. Uh, Did that surprise you? Uh, well, uh, I guess if if anybody came out saying the kinds of things that we were saying then against the government that everybody would like to trust, right, and basically have, I mean, after all, if you look at our condition here in the United States, we have not had a dictatorial power in charge of this country for almost 240 years. So we're not conditioned to, to recognize or to even be concerned about that kind of activity because we lived under a, 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 you know, in a state of uh, semi-freedom for that period of time without people interfering with them. But now they, they, it was, and it, techno, technology was advancing so quickly, it was hard for people to keep up. So it was difficult for them to comprehend uh, what, what technology was capable of. So you know, had a couple of hurdles that uh, the one, the, the the feeling of trust for the government, the long-standing democracy that we've been living in, and and then the other hurdle of technology, people not realizing the extent of the capabilities of technology today. So that was, uh, it's not un, un, unexpected that most people would not believe that. And um, the. So what? When did you? What did you decide to do after you really, you really didn't get the response you maybe you hoped for? Well, I was just sitting around wondering, wondering what what we can do now. You know, there's not too much that we were all sitting around here. What should we do now? And then uh, Jim Bamford had called and said he wanted to interview me for an article in Wired, and he interviewed a couple of people in, in that, a couple of us whistleblowers. So then that started the ball much rolling much more because, you know, Jim Bamford had, uh, you know, uh, expertise in NSA and had, had a reputation of having some understanding of what NSA was all about. You know, so that raised the level of confidence in the public that there really was something going on here and we should take a closer look. Then we started getting more calls from, uh, from people uh, like uh, Democracy Now! and uh, that Democracy Now! Uh, <clears throat> also helped expose us to the to the world, and um, you know, Etzer, when he was on Current TV, had us on several times. So we we started to get exposure that way, and it kept building over time. And then uh, when the Snowden material came out, and he started to, that started to get published, why that's when we got a lot of calls. I mean, we started it started really exploding at that point. That's because uh, Edward Snowden, when he he looked at what happened to us, also what happened to Tom Drake and um, and uh, Chelsea Manning and and any and also John Kiriakou, I guess. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, John Kiriakou is a really uh, a disgraceful case that the government. I mean, he exposed the name of one of the guys at CIA who was doing torturing, torturing people. And so here, here you have the guy who exposed one name that was never published in the news anyway, but he just let somebody know that this guy was a part of the torturing program. So. He was the one who exposed a name that didn't get eventually published, but he was the one they sent to jail for 30 months. And at all the people who were doing the torture, they gave them uh, a retroactive immunity. Now, that, <clears throat> that, that's, that's an absolute disgrace. I mean, if you think about that, how can you... The guy who talks, we shouldn't be torturing, he goes to jail, and the, and the people who uh, are doing the torture, you know, you let go free. Well, I mean, you know, that's not the kind of law we imposed in the Nuremberg trials in the 19th right. war. That certainly was not the uh, following orders was not a, uh, a, a a valid defense. So at any rate, uh, 
after all that, I mean, uh, <clears throat> that that's when uh, that's when the Snowden and Snowden, when he looked at all that and saw what happened to us, he said he had to take he had to go and take documentation with him, otherwise he would never be believed. And so that's why he took all that documentation. And, and when the documentation think- started coming out, it was impossible for the government to deny it. So now they were caught, and now they had to deal with it. And, and what's what's your take on Edward Snowden? What's my faith in him? Take on him. Well, I, Do you think he did a good well, thing, a bad thing? Do you think he should have done more internally first, or? Well, I mean, we were a classic case of internal avenues that they keep saying he should have used. We'll, we'll, we'll only target you. They will fail, and they will come back at you and try to put you away. I mean, if you try to to expose things internally, that's the procedure they they did against us, Tom Drake, and everybody else, John right. Kiriakou. I mean, that's the standard. The standard is. You, you execute the whistleblower, and you, in any way you can, get rid of them, silence them, and put them away. That's basically what, what they've been doing, and they have not done anything. They've never done anything differently that I know of. So, so you, you can in, expect that kind of thing. And you know, in terms of um, Snowden, you, would you say he's a hero, or would you equate him with Daniel Ellsberg? <laughs> or you know, how would you, what box would you put him in? I look at it this way. I think he's done a public service, a huge public service for everybody in the United States and everybody in the world. Uh, And the other point is I believe he should be prosecuted, but he needs to be prosecuted in an order of, in the time order of all those who committed the crimes. So that means we have to go back and start uh, charging and and trying Bush, Cheney, Hayden, Tenet, all the people in the Department of Justice that approved the program, all the people at NSA that implemented it, all the people at the FBI that also participated and at CIA, and all those members of the uh, Senate Intelligence and, and uh, uh, the House Intelligence Committees that participated and approved it. Uh, then after we do all of those people in the Bush administration, then we go to the equivalents in the Obama administration. And then in time order, we go to Snowden. So now if we're not prepared to prosecute all those people in those two administrations, there's no reason we should prosecute Snowden. Well, I think we know what the answer to that is. Um, I, I think, right. Yeah, well, that I mean, yeah. Right. But if you want to apply the law equally, as the Constitution says, that's what you have to do. Now, um, you've now launched and kind of you've kind of having survived your brush with the the NSA this legal team. Um, you now have kind of upped upped your game, and you've gotten you're part of an organization that launched a website, ex, exposedfacts.org, that tries to <laughs> encourage whistleblowers. Can you tell us about that? Yes, well, the whole, the whole idea there is to um, to provide a path where whistleblowers can get their word out, the alerts to the public, um, where it where it is where they're dealing with issues that need to be exposed publicly, like for public health reasons or um, or just uh, violations of public the, the rights that uh, people uh, citizens of the country have, or <clears throat> any kind of thing that. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, is is uh, illegal uh, or unconstitutional or any kind of uh, corruption, fraud, waste, and abuse that's involving our government? Any of that's uh, certainly uh, uh, of interest to the public. Um, so we're trying to set up an avenue for them to be able to um, get their information about those activities out to the public, and yet at the same time remain and uh, maintain their anonymity in that process so that the uh, government doesn't come back and attack them like they did with every, every whistleblower that's been exposed to this to date. So, 
And and um, I know you you haven't seen it yet because you were in Germany, and we'll get we'll touch on that in a second. But um, there's a billboard opposite the State Department um, in Washington D.C. that in, I guess in Foggy Bottom that has a, a, a photograph of Daniel Ellsberg, you know, who's the person who released the Pentagon Papers, um, with a quote that says, "Don't do what I did. Don't wait until a new war has started. Don't wait until thousands more have died." You tell the truth with documents that reveal lies or crimes or internal projections of costs and dangers. You might save a war's worth of lives, quote, unquote, close quote, Daniel Ellsberg. So um, definitely a powerful statement and, and targeted clearly to people as Ellsberg was. Was he a Defense Department or a State Department? I forget. I thought it was a Defense Department employee. Yeah, he was in the Defense uh, Department. I think he was a contractor at the time. Um, I'm not sure. No, but he um, was—he was a part of the—he was looking over all the documentation for the Vietnam War. So, and um, you know, as I mentioned offline, I was actually at a um, a, a benefit um, mm-hmm. where he was a speaker, and the you know, honoring his um, a, a gentleman from Hollywood who had donated substantial funds to his defense. And you know, this was only a few years ago when he said, "But for you know Stanley Scheinbaum, I would still be in jail." And um, so it's a remarkable thing. Now, you were in Germany testifying before the Bundestag on um, the NSA program. And um, would you, did you get any uh, objections from the U.S. government to your appearing in, in Germany? Uh, no, they did not. And nobody sent me anything about that from the government. Huh? And so, so what, what is the – how – I mean, we always hear, hear um, how angry – the uh, um, how angry everyone is over there about the NSA program, but it's hard for Americans to gauge. I guess you um, you you were there, and obviously you you got you got um, directed questions that kind of you could gauge. Just so, what is the sentiment really of the German, um, you know, at least the German politicians over the NSA program? Well, I mean, uh, of course, it's a, a mixture of uh, feelings there. I mean, they they look at the cooperation with the uh, NSA and uh, BND and and cooperation between the German and U.S. governments as an important relationship. So there's then one aspect of it. But the other aspect of it is that uh, the the German population is getting angry about is the is the spying, and it's only really a natural consequence of what they've experienced down through the years. That's that's the country where they uh, they had to live under the Nazis and the Gestapo with the SS, and then in East Germany after the Cold War after the war ended they said the Cold War started and then the East Germany had the Stasi, and uh, and the KGB and the MPD yes and uh, as depicted so, in the Academy Award winning film um, the right. lives of others you know quite right. and, dr- and quite brilliant yes that's right. And and that's 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 the reason you've got living memory of what it means to live under totalitarianism. That's really what that means. That's why they're all upset about it because this is what the NSA and the FBI, in conjunction with the NSA, are doing, is is adopting the procedures of totalitarianism. That's that's where a, the state needs to know everything about the entire population so they can control them. That's what this is all about. It's about law enforcement and not terrorism. The domestic collection has nothing to do with terrorism. It has to do with law enforcement and population control. I mean, the IRS is a part of the uh, the, the Special Operations Division of the, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and they look into the NSA data, so they have a view into, for example, 
everybody involved in the Tea Party or any kind of religion that's trying to get public. That All those relationships are in the data that you get from the phone numbers that they get or the intercept of the emails or anything else that is clearly being done by a, a program called Fairview, which is documented in the Snowden um, um, documents, that shows between 80 and 100 uh, tapping points on the fiber optic networks inside the United, the lower 48 states of the United States. So you, you obviously know that that's for domestic collection, not foreign. I mean, the, the fiber optic lines inside, like crossing in Indiana or Illinois or somewhere like that, has nothing to do with foreigners. It's all about domestic collection. And so by doing that, I mean, that's, that's the, that gives them information about the entire population. And so, so this is a J. Edgar Hoover on super steroids where this, this is where J. Edgar had evidence or knowledge of the, all the members of Congress and anybody who had influence. That's why he could stay so long as the FBI director. Uh, he had leverage against them for, for blackmail or whatever reason. And right. this, this gives them information about everybody in the country. And so, what 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 is some anything memorable um, that you that you recall coming from the Bundestag? Uh, well, I mean, they're they're now uh, look. Well, I think they're they're making some uh, good good moves. I think they're starting to look at um, investigations and so on, expanding that investigation. So I think that's a good thing, and hopefully they'll give some feedback to our government that will help them in deciding what they need to do, and and collectively maybe they can help. Co- settle something internationally as well. So I, you know, I think this could all be for the good. If people sit down and listen and realize that they are, the path they've been on is, is not a very good, it's a really ugly path. All right. Well, and, unfortunately, um, the path that we're on is we have limited amount of time. And so yeah. we're going to have to break. But I want to thank you for coming. I hope you'll consider coming back and talking about this further. But if people want to get more information about you and about the organization, where should they look? Uh, you can go to whistleblower.org, and uh, it's a government accountability project uh, site, and you can look at uh, what's going on there in terms of uh, blogging from the government accountability project, and uh, and uh, that, that keeps you up to date on a lot of things that are happening, both uh, domestically and internationally. So uh, that's, I think, uh, a good a good place to start. Great. And um, I want to thank you very much for your time, and best of luck to you as you, um, you know, get, get your message out. But um, unfortunately, we have to take a short break. But when we come back, um, news updates, including uh, a startling revelation about a possible um, ripoff report, criminal investigation, after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. 
Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly. Um, you're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report. And I want to thank Bill Binding again for um, giving us all that time. And we'll certainly probably have him back again to talk a little more detail about some of these things. But um, we got some news updates we want to share with you. And one is, um, if any of you have ever been on the website, ripoffreport.com, um, you invariably have seen the photograph of the Sac- Iowa Sac County prosecutor, um, the district attorney there named Ben Smith. In fact, he is on every single one of the 1.8 million ripoff report pages. And um, well, and Sac County is a county of a whole, um, the county seat is Sac City, which has a population of 10,000. I think the county itself only has a population of, of under 20,000. And um, they're fighting back. Um, they've just sent out warrants investigating a possible criminal conspiracy involving ripoff report that involves jury tampering and witness tampering in a criminal trial in Iowa um, that was conducted by Mr. Smith. And um, it's the criminal trial of Tracy Richter, um, who was tried for murdering a hitman um, she had hired to kill her husband, Michael Roberts who um, some of you may recall was on our very first show. And um, so a, a, the uh, warrant details that Ed Magison of Ripoff Report and Darren Mead learned that Smith had mobile records and um, phone records and Mead's deposition, which would have um, given them actively knowledge that they were investigating them for witness tampering and rather than cease and desist from defamatory publications a little over a month after learning that 
um, of Smith's investigations, Riffraff report intensified their criminal actions by publishing false information about the state's witness and Smith with photograph of Smith on each one of the 1.8 million pages as one of its featured reports. So um, the law is a powerful thing, just as so is the Internet. And so we have an interesting battle. We have a, a small town in Iowa taking on one of the most feared websites in the world. And so this is a battle you definitely want to watch. Um, ben Smith is, I know, has been working on this um, for several months, if not years. And um, so this is going to be an interesting battle to watch. We'll have more information as this unfolds. Um, whether this will lead to an indictment or not um, remains to be seen. But um, definitely an interesting battle going on there. Uh, and obviously, I'm sure there's more than a few people who are quite happy about the misfortune befallen upon Ripoff Report. Um, Today is an interesting day in history. Um, on July 9th, 1982, a very bizarre incident occurred. And um, a gentleman, well, I should be careful in my use of that term, but in any event, a gentleman um, was able to scale um, the walls of Buckingham Palace and climb into the bedroom of Queen Elizabeth II. And... Uh, caused quite a stir, and ultimately, ironically enough, he was not prosecuted. He talked with the queen for um, he talked with the queen for about ten minutes, and then he asked her for a cigarette. At which point, she then felt comfortable enough to summon um, for help, and he was taken away. But he wasn't prosecuted because actually, the British were afraid that prosecuting them would reveal just how inept. Um, and their security was for the Queen, as if this event had not done so. So we thought, um, in light of this uh, event, we'd have a little uh, contest to see what exactly um, people may have, what, what would they have said? You know, what would have been the first thing that the, the person said as he entered the Queen's bedroom? Um, and what would the Queen's likely response have been? And so far, the best response we got is from a John Fitzpatrick in Orange County, California, who said um, he put words in the mouth of the, um, the intruder saying, um, I bet me mate five quid down at the pub you sleep in a queen-size bed. And uh, which I thought was pretty <laughs> cute. And then um, Stefan Gerardet, who actually is a subject of the Queen, although he is, I believe, a U.S. citizen as well, um, asked, added, any room for an intruder in those depends. <laughs> and, uh, definitely a little British cheeky humor there. But um, So, uh, bizarre event. Brasco, do you oh, care to venture yes. a guess in this, this I, contest? We do have one. Uh, there was one the person that, uh, that reached out to me and asked me to do a voice uh, uh, to you know, voice the person that was going to be speaking to the Queen. They said... Hello, Mum. Can you put your teeth back in? <laughs> I, I got one that was um, somewhat confidential because they did mention that they were a subject of the Queen, and so they were somewhat reticent. And uh, let me see if I can find it here. Um, but it, it um, people are definitely enjoying themselves a little bit with this, and uh, almost as much as some of the uh, the Brazil um, memes that are floating about there. And uh, um, I think I have it right here. One second. And um, this is actually from someone with a, a connection to the um, to this, this station, but I won't mention who. But he's, he said, yeah. 
Your Majesty, did you order a massage or the full boyfriend experience? <laughs> um, <laughs> any event, um, having a little fun at the expense of the Queen is always, um, I guess, an American and especially an Irish-American pastime. We're no so, worse but, than the Daily Mail or the News of the World or all those, right? I know. Actually, we're, we're treating her much more kinder than yeah. I guess those would. Um, today's also an, an important day in history because – Today is the day that George Washington ordered that the Declaration of Independence be read publicly. And it was read publicly and, um, in Philadelphia. And actually, if you've never read it, it's an important document. I mean, there's some, some very powerful language in there that had, you know, definitely you know, drives um, you know, much of our consciousness. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men um, – Excuse me one second. Um, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by the creator with unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, um, and speaking of the pursuit of happiness, um, today is the birthday of one Darren um, Babin, the, um, the owner or CEO of Webmaster Radio. He's one of the co-founders of the network. One of the co-founders of uh, Webmaster Radio and New Gen Communication, New Gen Broadcasting. And um, so we just want to be genuine um, in our thanks and also clearly brown-nosing the boss. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday, Darren. Happy birthday to Darren. We hope you celebrate it well. And we hope that um, whatever you do, it's fun enough that we, we can't share it on the air. All right, so that's all we have for today. Um, you know, be sure to check out our blog. We'll um, have more information about our, our guest and the, the topic, as well as some links for you to further explore. Um, that's cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. Um, um, also, check us out on Twitter at cyberlawradio. And um, so this is Bennett Kelly of the Internet Law Center here in sunny, warm um, Santa Monica, California, here at the heart of Silicon Beach. Join us again next week. We'll have another great show with the latest developments in cyber law and business, and we'll be right here. So quarters adjourned. Look forward to seeing you next week. Be safe. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.